there, and welcome to Animal Chat, an Alberta SPCA podcast where we talk about animal welfare, animal behavior, and animal protection. I'm your host, Dan Kobe, and thank you for listening and for being passionate about animal welfare in our province. May is Emergency Preparedness Month, so today we're going to talk about being prepared for a natural disaster such as a fire or a flood with your animals in mind. Alberta has had its share of emergency situations in recent years, including the wildfires in Slave Lake and Fort McMurray, the floods in southern Alberta, and flooding again in Fort McMurray last year. These are the headline-grabbing situations, but Albertans are forced to leave their communities on short notice on an ongoing basis. Albertans are asked to have an emergency kit ready to go if they do have to leave, and that kit should be put together with your pets and livestock in mind. My guest today is the Executive Director here at the Alberta SPCA, Tara Johnston. Tara, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks Dan. Glad to be here. Before we get into the crux of the advice that you have today, I want to talk about your experience with the Fort McMurray fire and a lot of what we'll discuss here today, it it comes from your experience firsthand when trying to help pets in that community back in 2016. Yeah. It was uh, it was an interesting time for sure. Uh, certainly, we saw you know situations that occurred where um, you know people didn't have time to give consideration to this, had not faced anything of this this cataclysmic nature before, and it was it was frightening. It was scary, and of course, pets are a part of our family, and the last thing we want to do is leave our family behind. So we we did have those situations where people required. Uh, their animals to be left behind and that that was so upsetting and uh, really disruptive to a lot of people for sure. Uh, As with all of our podcasts it seems when we record these we do have an animal in the house uh, or in the broadcast booth. Um, The broadcast booth is a loose term. Um, Office dog Bochi your uh, your dog is is here with us. Uh, People may have heard him scratching himself here a second ago. We, we invite Bochi to participate in this, but for now, I think he's just hoping that um, some snacks appear from somewhere. That's uh, generally where his, his mind is at. You, you bet. And, and anything stressful, he, he likes to eat his feelings. So, so we're talking about a stressful event. He would like a treat li- a little bit later, Dan, just so you know that. Yes. Well, uh, we'll, uh, we'll take that under advisement, Bochi. All right. So talking about having an emergency kit, uh, with your pets in mind. Uh, let's talk about supplies first. It's the simplest part of this. So the situation we're preparing for is that you're potentially going to be away from your home and staying either in a hotel room, maybe an RV, for two weeks or more. So you need enough of the basic supplies for your animals for that long. You bet. And I, I think the one that really is obvious to most people is is food, making sure they have available water. Um, you know, one of the things, again, reflecting back on Fort McMurray uh, situation, you know, ensuring that your animals have an appropriate ID and that if there's an opportunity that your animals have been licensed through their, their municipal bylaw situation because that offers the greatest opportunity to reconnect or reunite with your pet if, if, if you don't necessarily go away with your pet and you've had to leave it behind. But we're talking about situations where you're taking that pet with you. So again, you want to ensure that you've got ID on that animal, you've got their vaccinations up to date, you've got available food, you've got water. Um, If your pet has a condition that requires their uh, to take medicine, you want to make sure that you've considered 
what does that look like and how can I manage that going forward? And how can I support getting more if, if the situation is going beyond the days that you have the vaccines? You want to make sure they have bowls that they they have. I think it's really important that you, you've got a, a leash for your dog, that you've got, if you have to remove your, your cats, for instance, you want to make sure that you've got uh, appropriate uh, carriers for your animals in the event that you need to remove them. One of the things that we found too, and I think it applies both leaving animals behind and taking them with you, if you get that opportunity, and we hope that you do, is cats in particular, they tend to hide. So, you know, reflect back and think, where do my, my cats hide when there's a lot of activity? And where do they get, where, where do they go when they're scared? I have, I have a particular cat that, that goes in the basement underneath a bed and another one that goes and hides under a, a couch. So I know that's their hiding space if I have to remove them quickly and put them in a carrier. So that, that's just something to consider. And, you know, just the environment for your pets in terms of if you have other sort of pocket pets that you need to bring with you, what are their special uh, needs that may come with that? You know, I'm thinking hamsters and gerbils and that type of thing. You just want to make sure you've got the appropriate environment in place, food, water, vaccinations, ID, um, and, and just make sure you've got all of their needs met when you have to remove them from your home. So when we're talking about supplies, I'll focus on that first. Uh, important to have those supplies in a spot where you can get them in a hurry. Yeah, a go-to bag would be really, really helpful. Um, I know that isn't always easy when your vaccinations may expire and whatnot, but know that you need them and have access to them quickly. But yeah, a go-to bag and know where those carriers are, know where that leash is, know what you, how you can reasonably transport that animal and how best to manage that animal and getting them out of a situation quickly. With cats, cat litter obviously is one thing that you'll need, especially if you're staying in a hotel. Uh, and I know here at the SPCA, we keep... Uh, tinfoil broiling pans on hand so that if cats do happen to show up here that we can put a little bit in a pan just so that they have a place to go uh, and it's it's a two dollar item but it, it, it certainly in a pinch makes a great cat litter. Yeah I, th I think get creative about that for sure no no question about it. So medications that's an important one trying to get uh, medication uh, renewed on short notice when you're not at home and don't have your your records with you could be quite difficult. Absolutely. <clears throat> Again referring back to excuse me Fort McMurray you know that was a situation where the entire community was in peril and we had seen veterinarian clinics have to be evacuated themselves which meant all of the records remained there um, and so in the in the uh, if there was a need to secure additional vaccines that would have been very very difficult so knowing what you have knowing why you have it any sort of records that you have that you can support that if you have to have an, a discussion with a, another veterinarian in, in another community, that makes those discussions a lot easier. Because again, uh, Fort McMurray, I mean, they were they were gutted in terms of the impact to the entire community. And, and we're talking about really, again, cataclysmic situations. But, you know, as an organization, just not that very long ago, we engaged with uh, a couple of individuals that there was a condo fire. 
and it was it was very um, specific to that location but again same sort of situation where someone had to leave very quickly um, you know with or without their pets in some cases and how to manage that going forward so these these things apply in every day it's, it's not just a cataclysmic situation that we're looking for people to to prepare for what about a flood. What about just a condo fire? What about a house fire? Those are horrible, horrible events for the individual, but they impact the animals that live in those environments. I'm going to acknowledge that uh, Bochi is scratching the carpet because he's looking for a more comfortable place to lie down. Um, it's new carpet in the in the room that we're in, so uh, lots of smells in there, and uh, yeah, he's comfortable now. Yeah, yeah good. he's good. Yeah, good. He's good. Good spot. He's looking Why? handsome. Yeah, he, he just wanted to make himself known. Yeah. Most of what we've talked about so far revolves around the scenario where your home uh, is uh, under an evacuation order and you're at home at the time, you're able to take your pets uh, with you. Uh, what we have learned, especially with those larger type of situations like flooding or the Fort McMurray fires, is that people aren't necessarily at home when they're ordered to leave the community. Fort McMurray would be the best example of that. People were at school or at work and they had hours or less to get out of town. Um, so explain how you can prepare uh, for a situation where you have to leave, you've, you've had to leave your pets behind, and now an organization like ours is going to be asked to go in and, and first get those pets out of those, those homes and then try to reunite. Uh, I know there were lots of challenges with trying to reunite animals with their owners following the evacuation of Fort McMurray. So the, the, it presents a really interesting and, and unfortunate situation where people are panicked and, and again, these are family members. So, you know, how can we position people um, to, to ensure that their animals are retrieved appropriately? Um, and I think, you know, one of the starts, uh, one of the suggestions is ensuring that there's some sort of notification on the front door or, or location or entry into the home or location where the animals are. So, so the organizations responsible for retrieving those animals know the number and type of animals that they're they're looking at so that certainly is um, a, a big deal once you know again recognizing there there are individuals or groups that would go in and retrieve those animals the next point there is how do we reunite people with their pets so assuming that the pets are in a facility um, individuals have identified that they own these animals and they, they, they want to be reunited. Some people didn't have ID. Some people didn't have records with them that could uh, assure ownership or, or you know, ensure that, that, that they were getting the right uh, animal back. I, it, 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 it's not a funny story, but it, it's, it's interesting. I can tell you that when people came to claim their beloved pet cat, um, who happen to be all black, that's pretty hard to, you know, if you don't have any sort of clear identification or unique identification for that animal, it's pretty hard to match that up. There's a lot of black cats out there or a lot of white cats or a lot of tabbies. And so we really encourage people to um, take pictures with their pets so that they can be easily identified if they've got some various markings. Um, you know, again, that ID piece is really important. Microchip, um, you know, tags, anything of that nature where that, that can be easily identified. And any sort of records that follow that animal are incredibly important. 
some people might argue you maybe have retrieved that animal from my house so you should know it's mine and obviously that's that certainly helps sometimes the pets aren't in the house that's right and sometimes that in fact that was a, a number of situations where the animals were either running at large um, they were owned animals but they 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 may have been in the backyard but through all the melee and and the the uh, activity that they got away or or that they were outdoor cats or other type of, of species that was allowed to roam uh, not necessarily at large but roam in the backyard and so they got out and so how do you reunite with that that animal that looks like every other animal in the facility. So it's it can be really, really problematic. And so that was one of the things that we identified was bring pets, uh, bring bring pictures of your pets and you with your pets and that type of thing. It really did go a long ways to helping us reunite pets and their people. And everyone has a smartphone these days. Most people do anyway. It's really easy to have your, your records and your photos with you at all times as long as you have your phone with you. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. It's important to note that, uh, you know, we're talking about pets and people will be thinking of, of their own animals and they have, you know, two cats and a dog, that type of scenario. We're talking hundreds, maybe thousands of animals that need to be retrieved from a, from a community like Fort McMurray. There were a lot of animals to manage during that situation. Yeah, we rehomed, uh, sorry, rehomed, reunited uh about 2,000 animals and uh, one of the things that we were surprised because we were preparing for a number of dogs uh, one of the things that we learned is you know makes sense when you think about it dogs are relatively easy to bring with you you leash them you put them in your your vehicle with you and off you go cats again can be very very difficult in those really chaotic sort of situations go and find a place to hide we we had reunited well over 500 cats to their people and some of the other populations that we had a lot of were rabbits reptiles um, you know the, not your average species uh, and I say average I think for a lot of people they deeply care for their, their amphibians and their reptiles. Those, that's a relationship they have with those animals. And so we were quite surprised that uh, in terms of the animals that were being reunited, there was a high number of um, reptiles and amphibians, a very high number. And so that was part of our, um, I would say somewhat, it pre presented some challenges because the environments are so specific, the, uh, the type of food, um, the, the, the their needs are substantially different and very specific and distinct for that species. And so managing that was, was somewhat um, a challenge. And, and again, cats, as a general comment, we had a high number of them because, again, I suspect they're very hard to, um, having done that myself, to, to retrieve under chaotic circumstances. We did a high, have a high number of cats too, but they don't, they're... Um, they're, they're a challenge to manage uh, on, a, on, a, on an ongoing basis in, in terms of that emergency type situations. There's, there's enrichment needs and certain things that we were very concerned about when we had those animals in our custody and care. You, you said that we reunited about 2,000 plus yep. animals with their families. The unfortunate part is there were some animals that, that we were not able to reunite. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I would suggest, and I don't know, I don't have those numbers. Uh, I, I couldn't speak to that, but certainly, you know, uh, 
there would have been some animals that either because of their inability to identify them or um, in, inability of, of the owners to, to reclaim them um, after such a cataclysmic situation that, that they were enduring. And I, you know, I, I, our mandate is animals are concerned and we're talking about animals, but I, I, you know, I do have to really sort of speak to the incredible mental health issues and the difficulty that individuals that had to leave those communi that community so uh, abruptly and so quickly and, and having to, in some cases, leave family members behind and, and really, you know, talking to those people after the fact, we were really mindful that these people were in crisis, had endured a crisis, and that we wanted to give them some space to uh, manage their own well-being first and foremost so that they could then manage their, their animal peace. You know, we had people come... Uh, you know, when we contacted them saying them, we have, you know, your pet is safe. Um, it's, it's under our custody and care. It's receiving appropriate, um, care ship. So, you know, please know that. Um, how are you doing? That was, that was an obvious sort of, or maybe not so obvious question. You know, we, we acknowledge that some people hadn't brushed their teeth in a couple of days. I mean, this was really serious stuff. And for us to go to them and say, when are you picking up your pet? Um, yes, you want that pet. Yes, you want it back desperately. But do you have the capacity in terms of living conditions? You're, you're staying at your mother-in-law's. You're staying at your sister's. Do they have capacity for pets? Do they have the ability to manage those? And so there was some really um, emotional conversations for people. They were relieved that we had their pets, but they also acknowledged they had a little bit of work to do to make sure they, they were in a position to retrieve those pets. So all of that sort of was an ongoing discussion, and we were really, really mindful that we were dealing with individuals in crisis. The other thing that I can say too is one of the things that we became abundantly aware of is people left in such a uh, um, abruptly, you know, phone chargers and um, f phones died, uh, minutes, you know, the ability to to pay bills and, and manage their their telephone and cell bills was at risk. And so, you know, sometimes it was really hard to communicate people, not because they didn't want to, but because they just didn't have the capacity. So we're really, really mindful of that situation. We've talked a lot about the animals that likely are living in your, your home, certainly your backyard, um, the pocket pets, the cats, the dogs. There is always the situation of, of livestock as well, a much more difficult situation to manage because it's not easy to, uh, to move them on short notice. Any uh, advice for livestock owners? Uh, should they be encountering a situation where they may have to leave on short notice and they've got you know, dozens of, uh, you know, whether it's uh, cattle or, or some horses uh, that they are going to have to manage and take care of as well? Yeah, I, I, I think there is. I, I would strongly encourage if, if producers, and, and, and most would, would have already done this, so I, I'm, I'm, I suspect I'm speaking to the converted on, on this piece, but, you know, make sure that um, people have up-to-date PID numbers, premise ID numbers, and, and um, you know, that's so the uh, overseeing bodies can identify what animals are in, in what species uh, are, are on particular areas so that if if we see that there is a 
a flood in a particular area, and I say the collective we, I'm not necessarily saying the Alberta SBCA, but if there's there's an understanding that there's a, a herd of cattle in a particular affected jurisdiction due to flooding, you know, if the producer, for whatever reason, isn't uh, able to put up their hand and say, this is a problem for me, certainly the jurisdictions and the counties will be able to identify that there's species that are kept on that property. Um, again, movement of livestock, movement of any animals, um, is it could happen, and I, I, I speak to this on, on the companion animal side too, the issue of ensuring that your vaccines are up to date so that you're not impacting a healthy population or or vice versa. Your animal is, is uh, appropriately vaccinated against any sort of other um, diseases or, or issues um, that, that they may be moved to, you know, to areas where the animals may be moved to. Um, know what you've got, know your facilities. Um, Again, if, if you're dealing with a barn in some some cases, uh, you want to, again, you want to put a notification on what species are in that barn. So again, people who are attending that are not the owner or um, person in charge of those animals knows what animals are in that barn, knows what animals are in that facility. So again, it just makes it easier for those who may have to come back and retrieve animals. And... Um, you know, keep your records online if you've got, uh, if you don't already. And certainly there's lots of um, uh, overseen bodies that, that you can maintain your, your records online. So certainly that's really important. So you know the species, you know the number and, what, and the dynamics of the population. It's really important. As we head into May this year, uh, and, and we're having this conversation, um, we know that, I mean, it's a dry year here, so, uh, you know, the, the threat of, of something happening exists. It often does in May. Um, and my background is in, in uh, news media, and it was every time we covered a, a big incident, it always seemed like it was in May. That's why it's Emergency Preparedness Month in the month of May. Um, talking to you five years after Fort McMurray, it's clear that, you know, the experiences that you had and our agency had at the time um, are still fresh in your mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a little, um, it, no, no question, it's, it's a bit daunting. You know, I, I look back and think, you know, we did a really wonderful thing. And I, again, I, I need to say the collective we, because there was a lot of groups that were involved in that. It was not just the Alberta SBCA, but there was multiple groups that came together in support of reuniting people and their pets. And, and, and certainly our agency was also responsible for um, sending people to the affected areas to assist on that piece as well. And so, you know, we, we, we certainly were engaged on, on both ends of that. Um, it was an incredible learning experience. It was an incredible emotional experience to know that um, we as an organization um, or collectively were, um, you know, caring for people's family members and how important those family members were to those individuals particularly in times of crisis and just dealing with people who were emotional understandably emotional you know the idea that their their homes may not be there when they return to the community was was that's a really heavy thing to deal with people and I one of the things that I will say though is is I, I look back and I really appreciate and I'm so incredibly grateful for is that the population of animals that we took custody of was by and large 
really healthy. So in other words, you know, we weren't seeing a lot of animals affected by the catastrophe itself. We weren't seeing a lot of animals that were um, severely impacted by fires. Certainly there were those animals that were. I mean, I'm not suggesting uh, that there weren't some impact on that piece. But as a general comment, the population of animals that we took custody of was healthy. And we were able to, we were just, we were dealing with ongoing husbandry needs as opposed to sort of significant medical issues. And so, you know, that, that has to be said. I mean, I don't know that, you know, that that situation is always the case. So I, I'm really grateful for that. And I'm, I'm grateful for the, the animal welfare community that came together to manage this. It, it was incredible. Um, it was wonderful to be part of. Um, I learned so much, but I don't want to duplicate it ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you say that, and, and, and I was about to, as, as we start to wind up the conversation, uh, make that comment that uh, it, uh, we hope that we don't have to go through this again. Um, yeah. but, but if we do, we'd certainly like to have uh, pet owners um, do everything they can so that we can make sure that their pets are well taken care of and reunited with them uh, should disaster happen. You bet. And we are there on behalf of animals. Tara, thank you once again for coming in and being a guest on, on the Animal Chat, the podcast. Well, thank you, Dan. Um, Bochi went to sleep, um, although his ears perked up when I said his name. He's, uh, he's hoping to eat his feelings any time yes. now. <laughs> We do keep a list of emergency kit supplies that you should have in your plan on our website. You can find this by going to albertaspca.org slash news slash podcasts. Uh, we actually have uh, the list under the show notes, but you can find it uh, in other places on our website as well. Um, and uh, on the show notes, we are also going to have some photos from our experience with pets in Fort McMurray, and we'll put the list of supplies uh, as well as other helpful links uh, under show notes as well. In our next edition of Animal Chat, we're going to discuss cat traps. Many people choose to try to catch unwanted free-roaming cats that wander onto their property, and it's their legal rate to do so, but there are also legal ramifications that come along with catching wayward cats. And those doing so, uh, doing the trapping, they can put themselves in a situation where they could be charged if the cat that they catch comes under distress. Our Provincial Supervisor of Animal Protection Services, Peace Officer Stuart Dodds, will join us on the next edition of Animal Chat and Alberta SPCA Podcast. We'll see you then. <laughs>